Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther about the philosophy of life as it applies to Esther's well-known phrase, for such a time as this. This message is available for free download on iTunes and on friendshipwithgod.org, on iTunes or at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, our 2014 new resource that we put together for you is Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah. Three amazing books from Tom Cantor, all put into one book and one resource. It's a great study guide. It's also a great devotional resource tool. Answers many questions that you can study about doctrinal topics, such as do the Hebrew Scriptures support the triunity of the Godhead? Is it possible for a man to see God, the Son? How can the Jewish Messiah be identified? And what's the difference between a Gentile and a Christian? And what's the difference between Israel and the church? A lot of these doctrinal questions and Bible issues are brought up in this book and are easily discerned with Scripture, a great study resource, a great tool that's good for witnessing to Jewish people. Get this resource. It's combined with three things. The Frequently Asked Questions book from Tom Cantor, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ from Tom Cantor, and Tom Cantor's own personal testimony, How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, a fabulous 2014 resource. Get it today, 1-800-247-3051. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Now, this new resource is a $30 or more donation to be able to obtain it. But again, we've got limited supplies and quantities of these, and it helps support this radio ministry as well as Jewish evangelism with a matching donation to Israel Restoration Ministries. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051, before or after the program, and again, a $30 more donation to help support Jewish evangelism and this radio program. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Esther. Esther so loved and trusted Mordecai, she obeyed Mordecai when she was queen of the land. Because for Esther, she couldn't think of a place with more safety, with more peace, with more comfort, with more love than to be back in Mordecai's house. And Esther would have said, if I compare, on the one hand, this great Shushan palace, this palace in Shushan, look at all the beauty, all the luxury, all the servants, my position in this palace and in this country as queen, If I compare that back with Mordecai's little modest house, no beauty, no luxury, no servants, but under that roof, love and wisdom and protection of Mordecai, no question, I'd rather be there. I'd rather be there. And in that regards, Esther is just like Moses, who it says in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, by faith, when Moses was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. And why did Mordecai tell Esther not to reveal that she was Jewish? Because he was protecting her. He was protecting her. She would be exposed to harm and risk if they knew that she was Jewish. That was a captive people there. So for her own protection, Mordecai told Esther, you don't tell anyone. You never tell anyone you're Jewish. It's dangerous for you to be identified and known as Jewish. Mordecai would never think of exposing Esther to danger. But now Mordecai saw clearly that 
something overriding had happened. The Jewish people needed to be saved. God's people who would bring the Messiah, who would bring the Savior, who would bring the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, this people had to be saved. And Mordecai sensed clearly inside of him, God was leading him to give up Esther. Give up Esther. His Esther, whom Mordecai loved, give her up to God in order to save the Jewish people. And with that, Mordecai found himself in exactly the same place that Abraham found himself. And if you like to turn to that, Genesis 22. Mordecai found himself in Abraham's place from Genesis 22, 22, 1 through 2. What was Abraham's place? It says there, Genesis 22, 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or try Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am, Hineni. Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. See the progression there. Your son, that's the knife going in just a little bit. Thine only son, the knife goes in a little bit further. Isaac, now it's in all the way. Whom thou lovest, now it's twisted. He says, take him, get him into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. Mordecai, who knew this history of Abraham and Isaac, he knew this like he knew the back of his hand. And Mordecai had taught this history to his Esther. And Mordecai knew that when God called Abraham, Abraham responded with a, behold, here I am. And that wasn't just a, I'm over here, can't you find me? That, when he said, behold, here I am, and he nanny, Mordecai knew that when Abraham said those words, Abraham was ready, was saying, I'm ready. I agree with whatever you ask me to do at whatever cost it might be, God, because Abraham was sold out to God. And then came those words to Abraham. Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Take him to the land of Moriah and kill him. And it was Mordecai's turn now. And Mordecai heard God say to him, Mordecai. And now it was Mordecai's turn to respond and to say like Abraham, Here I am, Lord. Whatever you ask, at whatever cost, I agree. I will do it. I stand ready. And then Mordecai heard these very something special like, like Abraham did. Mordecai, take now thy daughter, thine only daughter, Esther, whom thou lovest, and cause her to reveal that she's Jewish at the risk of her life. She'd cause her to reveal that she's one of the people that have been slated to be destroyed by an unchangeable edict. That's a great struggle for Mordecai, as if he could hear the same words that Peter heard from the Lord Jesus Christ in John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And it was as if Mordecai could hear God say, Mordecai, lovest thou me more than Esther? And it was as if Mordecai responded back and said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And then it was as if God said to Mordecai, Mordecai, save my people. Save your people. And after this great struggle had gone on, and Mordecai emerged, and he said, For God and his people, I'm willing to sacrifice Esther. And that's right along the lines of Paul, who looking at the Jewish people and God's people and knowing that if they're not saved, they're going to hell. In Romans 9, 1 through 3, he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness that I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were accursed from Christ, from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul said he was so burdened for the Jewish people that they would be saved, that he was willing to go to hell if they could go to heaven. That's sacrifice. 
And here was sacrifice. And here was Mordecai who followed Abraham and said, I'll give her up. I'll give up Esther like Abraham gave up Isaac. And now Mordecai placed into God's caring hands his daughter, Esther. And you see from verse 8 that Mordecai then charges her. And he says in verse 8 that she should go in unto the king to make supplication for him and to make request before him for, doesn't say for the Jewish people, but for her people. That means she should reveal that she's Jewish. Now's the time. Very intense communication goes on in the last part of this chapter. First you see in verse 5, Esther's so upset with Mordecai and Sukkoth and Ashes. Intensity. She gives her servant uh, Hadak a commandment. And that word is a very strong word. Savah. It means command. Command. Charge. And now in verse 8, when Mordecai tells Esther what she must do, it says that Esther tells Hadak, her servant, that he is to tell Esther that Mordecai is giving her a charge. Savah. Again, to her, that she should go in unto the king. That word charge there, again, is there. Mordecai and Esther, they haven't seen each other for years. They haven't talked to each other face to face. Mordecai's last words that Esther remembers is that she should not reveal to anyone that she's Jewish. And as soon as Mordecai knew that the king's servants were taking pretty women... As candidates to be queen, Mordecai knew that Esther might be swooped up in that group because she was beautiful. And so Mordecai, knowing that that day might come, he prepared Esther for that day. He said, Esther, what I'm going to tell you now is of the most importance. I'm commanding you now. I'm telling you, this is for your own protection. Esther, if the time comes, and you don't know when, and I don't either, but if the time comes when the king's servants take you, then you must never acknowledge that you are Jewish. When they come to take you, you must not call back to me. When they come to take you, you must not acknowledge me in any way. I'm known as a Jew, and if you acknowledge me in any way, then you will put yourself at risk as being revealed as a Jew. If they come to take you, we don't know each other. If they come to take you, go immediately with them. Don't ask to go home. Don't say you want to say goodbye to anyone. Don't take anything with you. Just go with them. Those were the last words that Esther heard and remembered from Mordecai. And it's been years since Esther and Mordecai have talked to each other since then. And now, after so many years, Esther and Mordecai can't even see each other. They can't even talk to each other face to face. This is so frustrating for both of them, because they have to work through this poor Hatak, Esther's servant. He's caught in the middle of a very intense conversation between with a lot of tzavahs, a lot of charges and commandments going back and forth. And he's probably wondering, oh, is this Jew? that the queen is commanding to take the sackcloth off. But, you know, Hadak, what can he do? He has to do his job. But the message was clearly received by Esther. There are three parts to what she heard from Mordecai via Hadak. Number one, go into the king. Number two, beg the king to spare the Jews. And number three, tell the king that you're Jewish. And as she thought on that last line, she thought to herself, but Mordecai always tried to protect me. He always told me never to reveal I'm Jewish. And now there's a decree to kill all the Jews. And now he wants me to reveal that I'm Jewish? And it was the first request that she took exception with, or let's say raised an objection to, and that was go in unto the king. That caused a difficulty for her that she came back. So now again in verse 10, we see Esther again commanding with another tzavah to this poor hatak here. 
And we can picture Hatak saying to the king, Mordecai commands you to go to the king and beg for the life of the Jews and to tell him you're Jewish. And then Hatak probably says to himself, I didn't know you were Jewish. But anyway, and then with an intensity in her eyes, we can imagine it, she gives Hadak another tzava commandment to tell him in verse 11, Esther 4.11, and the king's servants and all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come in into the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out this golden scepter that he may live. And I haven't been called for 30 days. And Esther tells Mordecai, Mordecai, I may be the queen, and the king may think good of me, but there's one law, and the king has no choice. And Mordecai, there's one law, there's no exceptions to that law. If anyone comes to the king without being called, he's killed, unless by chance the king holds the scepter out. And then Mordecai comes back and he steps it up a notch. He steps up the urgency. And when Mordecai hears that from Hadak, we can just imagine the wise father, Mordecai, carefully pondering and thinking through his reply carefully. First, he thinks to himself the following points. Number one, my daughter Esther is afraid to die. Number two, I have to make my point simple and to the point because I have to rely on Hadak over here to relay this message. Poor Hadak, he's going to need a vacation after this. This is rough for him. And Mordecai tells Esther that, look, in spite of the fact that Mordecai has lived his life protecting her and caring for her, in spite of the fact that he has charged her to never put herself at risk by revealing that she is Jewish, in spite of the fact that now all the Jews are scheduled to be murdered and that she has an opportunity to escape with her life because nobody knows she's Jewish, Mordecai says through Hadak, Esther, you must involve yourself in this conflict to save the Jews. Esther, you must emerge now from the cocoon of your environment. You must emerge from the comfort and the protection of being the queen. You must involve yourself in this conflict to save the Jews. The time has come and the decision is yours, Esther. That's a picture for you and I. You and I are in the comfort and protection and cocoon of being saved. But as Mordecai told Esther, God tells you and I, the time has come for us to emerge from the protection and the safety and involve ourselves in the conflict to save the lost. Whether they're Jews, whether they're neighbors, whether they're heathen across the ocean, the time has come. So Mordecai commands Hadak to give this answer. First, Mordecai tells Hadak, tell Esther, verse 13. Esther 4.13, Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. And we can imagine that when Mordecai told Hadak this, Mordecai may have said to Hadak, Hadak, I want you to be sure. When you tell her this, Hadak, I want you to be sure you look her right in the eyes and you put on your most Persian face that you can. You look the most non-Jewish that you possibly can. And with those non-Jewish eyes, you say with that so that she's impressed with the fact that you know, Hadak, that she's Jewish. Because Hadak, without saying anything, you make her understand that as for being Jewish, that cat's already out of the bag. So, second, Mordecai tells Esther in verse 14, Esther 4.14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall enlargement and deliverance Arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy house, thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Mordecai told Esther that if she decided to play it safe, if she decided to not risk her life for the Jews, that God would deliver the Jewish people by another means. He said, that's not even on the table. He said, God has promised that he's going to bring the Messiah to this people. They will be delivered. 
He says, but she would lose the opportunity of eternity. The opportunity she would lose for her life. And Mordecai, he believed God's promises that the Messiah was going to come to the Jewish people. That wasn't a question. But when Mordecai looked at Haman's plan to destroy the Jews, he said, that's wisdom, that's understanding, that's counsel that's against the Lord. And there is no wisdom. There is no understanding. There is no counsel against the Lord. He understood that. But Mordecai told Esther in verse 14, who knows? Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? That's what he said. Who knows? You know, he could have said, who knows that 2,500 years from now, Tom Cantor would be preaching about you. (laughs) But Mordecai gave an assurance to Esther that there was no assurance. He assured her there was no assurance. She might get killed. He never guaranteed her protection. Mordecai never promised. He never assured her that she wouldn't die if she got involved. And Mordecai knew that Those might be his last words to Esther. And nevertheless, he sent this message as if to say, Esther, my dear daughter, you remember how I saw you as an orphan with neither father nor mother, and that was an opportunity, and I decided. I took that opportunity, and I took you as my daughter. You remember, Esther, how I saw those two conspirators against the king? That was an opportunity. And I decided to tell the king, now I've raised you and I've taught you and you've seen in my life that there are certain times that come into life, momentous times that come into life when something is seen and in that moment a decision must be made. There are times when, he could say, when we see a great opportunity, but it's a passing opportunity. And when we seize that opportunity, we can do it but we have to do it by making the right decision. The wrong decision, close your eyes. The wrong decision, pretend you don't see it. The wrong decision, deny sight. Cover your eyes. Esther, now is the time for you to set sight over your safety. Now is the time for you to put purpose over your protection. Now is the time for you to elevate calling over your comfort. Esther, now's the time. Your sight is clear. Your purpose is before your calling. It's in your heart. You know, you've come to the kingdom for this time. Now is the time. Respond to your sight. Fulfill your purpose. Answer your calling. And Esther, go down in history as the Jewish king who, I don't know, either died or lived, but go down in history as the Jewish king who did what she could to save the Jewish people by trying to respond to the sight, trying to fulfill her purpose, trying to answer her calling. So to persuade Esther to make the right decision, Mordecai could have said the words of Solomon in Proverbs 24, 11 through 12. If thou forbear, in other words, you don't do it, to deliver them that are drawn to death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, we knew it not, doth not he pondereth the heart, consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? If Mordecai had known Paul, he could have used the words to Paul, to Esther, and said, Acts 20, 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That was all Esther needed to hear. She heard those words about being brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, and because they were so powerful to her, from the man who loved her like a father to her, and her as the daughter, 
who would have died for her, and she knows that, she agreed. She agreed. But what was the most important thing to Esther was that her reliance. Because Esther said, I'll do it. I'll do it. But Mordecai, there's also one thing that you've taught me, and that's to rely on God. So please, pray for me. Gather all the Jews together to pray for me. Pray for me for three days. Pray for me for three days of eating no food. Pray for me for three days of drinking no liquids. And after you and I and all the Jews of Shushan have prayed and fasted from food and from water for three days, I'll go in. I may not look that beautiful after three days of fasting and know it, but it doesn't matter because I may not look that beautiful to the king of Hashuaris, but I want to look beautiful for the king of kings. And I'm going. And after three days, Mordecai, I will risk my life. And I will go into the king. And Esther knew there were no guarantees. And she would live. And she concluded by saying, if I perish, I perish. And with those words, Esther made her decision. She decided. She prioritized her sight over her safety, her purpose over her protection, her calling over her comfort. And the last verse of this chapter it seems so peaceful. After all this intensity, all the savahs going back and forth, and then we read in verse 17, so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. That's just the way it is. Once the battle over decision has been made, peace comes. A strange peace. A peace which is saying, I'll do this. It's like, here, Lord, ball's in your court. I don't have to worry anymore. I made the decision. Now it's in your hands, God. And a wonderful peace settles over Mordecai and Esther. And so Mordecai goes his way to start the prayer meeting. And Esther and Mordecai turn themselves to pray. And Esther and Mordecai turn themselves to God. And Esther and Mordecai stay themselves on God. And a peace settles in their hearts. A perfect peace settles in their hearts. What happened to them? In verse 17, what happened to them? is described in Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the examples we have of Mordecai and Esther. Thank you for this time, Lord, when you've brought us back in time to be in that Shushan, to feel the intensity of it all, to be in the throes of the battle to decide the right thing. And thank you, Lord, for letting us see great people, Mordecai and Esther. Great because they put their trust in God, even when it cost them. Help us. Help us to be like them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, Esther's going to try to get King Ahasuerus to repent or change his mind about the decree to kill the Jews. Can you explain to us what is the similarity between God's and man's repentance? You know, it's so often that when we hear the term repentance, we think it's a bad thing. It's, it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's not true. In fact, when it talks about, as we saw today, that it repented God, that he made man, this was something in God's mind. God was repenting, it says there. So really, what's the same between God's repentance and man's repentance is the, is the core, the kernel there, which is to see 
how something has happened. For example, man corrupted himself, and and as it says there, his imagination was only evil continually. That was man's choice. That was not God's choice. That was not the sovereignty of God controlling man's direction. Man made his own free will decision to sin, and he had decided to fill his heart, his mind, his imagination with only evil continually. And so God saw that, and when he saw that, he said, that's such a bad thing that's happening. We need an improvement here. So he says, you know what? I'm sorry that I made man. That's what it says. And so in other words, it's a, it's, it's a good thing because God repented at that time because he saw how man had turned the earth and the world in such a, to, into such a bad place that God just went back and said, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't do it. That's really the core of it all. Man, the same thing. At the core of repentance of man is to say, I'm so sorry that I thought that. I'm so sorry that I said that. I'm so sorry that I did that. And if I had to do it again, I would not have thought it. I would not have said it. I would not have done it. I feel so terrible about it. And so it's in that sense, it's the same between God's repentance and man's repentance. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We've got a great resource, as we mentioned at the beginning of our program. It's a great Bible study tool, a great devotional tool, and it's three books from Tom Cantor combined into one. Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, The Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, which is Tom Cantor's book on his life story. Now, these three books have been put together into one amazing resource. It's available to you for a donation of $30 or more to our ministry. It not only helps this radio ministry to stay on the air in your city, but it also helps us to get the gospel out with a matching donation to Israel Restoration Ministries. So get this great book, three books into one from Tom Cantor. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.